Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. That is what your hope is anchored into. And because of that, and because of this priceless inheritance that he has set aside for you, it's awaiting you in heaven, an inheritance. Well, what is that inheritance? I have no idea, but I do know what part of it is. Based off of uh, Numbers 18.20, Christ is our inheritance. So even just having Christ in heaven, that's part of that inheritance for you and I. Anything else beyond that is it's bonus. It's bonus. Understand that you have a rich inheritance in Jesus Christ. As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he teaches you about the inheritance that God has awaiting you. By receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're a co-heir with him. That means that not only is Jesus your inheritance, but you also receive an overflow from God because of your relationship with him. Pastor James urges you to reflect on all the glorious gifts that you've been given because of Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Peter chapter one, this section that we're going to go through, I'm going to give you guys some handles to kind of hold on to outline wise, but it's essentially, it's going to go like this. We can rejoice. Christians can and should rejoice. Okay. We need trials. You're like, don't like that one. Too bad. It's in there. I already wrote it down. It's in there. Okay. We need trials. They're the best thing for us. They're the best thing for us. Like it or not, it's, it's valuable to us we'll address towards the end of this passage is we are truly a blessed people. We really are. And I don't know if we've grasped this. I don't, I don't know if we can fully grasp this. I don't know if we fully appreciate how blessed we are today to be Christ's followers. Okay, so let's read through this portion that we're going to go through, starting in verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. So be truly glad or greatly rejoice. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's real. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many or various trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. You rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this great salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news, this gospel has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. 
It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Okay, so let me pray. We'll get into verse 6. We'll get through this section, I promise. I know we read this section last week, okay? Um, But we're going to finish out this section today. But let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you've done for us. And it's not by our works, it's not by our our pedigree or our families we were born into or anything like that, Lord Jesus. It was simply because of your perfect sacrifice of yourself on the cross. And the fact that even today, Lord, that tomb is empty. The resurrection means everything to us, Lord, and we thank you for that. Because with that, not only do we have new life, but we have power within this life. And Holy Spirit, you dwell inside of us to help us to overcome overcome various trials, Lord, but also to grow spiritually and mature-wise, Lord, in, in following you. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work on our hearts. I pray that you would eliminate any distractions that might be present within the room, that we could just focus in on you, Jesus, and hear your voice today. So we thank you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so as a, a people of Christ, Christ followers, uh, we can and should rejoice. There's no excuse in one sense, right? Now, I know life will throw you many curveballs, and, and you'll, you'll go through trying times and all that good stuff, but in the midst of all the suffering, in the midst of all the trials, in, within our hearts, we can rejoice. We can celebrate. And we can because we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. We don't know specifically how the story is going to end for each and every one of us, But in the midst of it, we can celebrate, we can rejoice. We see this sometimes, uh, the opposite of this played out, especially if you are a baseball fan and you're watching the Astros playing last night, which I'll just say many people are not honoring their prayer to the Lord because towards the end of that that game, they probably were praying, Lord, if you just help them win, I'll show up to church. He'll hold you accountable for that if you're watching online. I'm just kidding. You don't, don't pray for, you can pray for that stuff, I guess, but. Whatever. But look, like we see that we, we don't know. We, if they're your favorite team, you don't know how it's going to go. You have, you know, people, experts telling you like, no, it probably will go like this. We don't work with probabilities. Okay. We work with certainties. That's what we have in Jesus. We know how the story ends. Your role within it, I, we don't know. When that end date is for you, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. But ultimately, we know how the story goes. Because we know how the story goes, we can rejoice. And we should rejoice. In fact, that's what Peter is telling these people who are, they're suffering persecution, but that persecution is going to amplify in just a few years. So he's telling about this, you've been born again into a living hope. That's what you've been born again into. When you said yes to Jesus, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, that means that you were born again into living hope, living hope, hope that is, that is alive and hope that is anchored in Jesus, not wishful thinking, but concrete evidence that he is the Savior. That is what your hope is anchored into. And because of that, and because of this priceless inheritance that he has set aside for you, it's awaiting you in heaven, an inheritance. Well, what is that inheritance? I have no idea, but I do know what part of it is based off of uh, Numbers 18.20. Christ is our inheritance. So even just having Christ in heaven 
That's part of that inheritance for you and I. Anything else beyond that is, it's a bonus. It's bonus. But we have these things and we have this, and, and not only that, but just as a reminder from last week, we are kept by the power of God. So you have been born again, past tense, right? There is an inheritance awaiting for you, future tense, but right now you are kept by the power of God Almighty. And because of these truths, verse 6 says, so be truly glad, so greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice. Again, this doesn't mean like putting on this, this fake facade that Christians should always be smiling because that's not true. That's not real, all right? Because we encounter different things throughout this life where it's like, I can't smile. I can't smile. But that doesn't mean that within my heart that there's not rejoicing happening, okay? So we grieve different circumstances and situations and all that stuff. That's normal. That's natural. That's expected. But when you get to the heart of the individual, there should be a celebration ongoing, why I may be suffering right now, but I know what's to come. And I hold fast to that. And so this, this greatly rejoicing, this truly glad doesn't mean it's all like, you know, happy, slappy, clappy kind of stuff, right? Like you're just skipping around everywhere you go because, well, at least I know how the story goes. I just lost a loved one, but at least I know how the story goes, right? That's fake. You can grieve these things. You're meant to. My goodness, we're human beings with emotions. And those come from God. So we, we grieve things, but at our heart of hearts, we still celebrate. We still celebrate. So he says, so be truly glad, greatly rejoice. There is wonderful joy ahead. You can hold on. Whatever trial you may find yourself in today, you can hold on because there's great joy to come. And in fact, he's going to book in that truth with talking about how the prophets, they were investigating concerning the Messiah about his suffering, but what? The great, the, the joy to come after the suffering that he endured. The same is true for you and I. If you're going through difficult times right now, I'm going to tell you this. I don't know when they'll end. I don't know what the solution will be. I don't know what the outcome will be. I don't know, but I do know if you're a Christ follower, you are going to be okay. You will be okay. And let me disclaimer this thing with, following Christ does not mean you're free of suffering. It does not mean you're free of trials and tribulations. Because he said, if you're following me, you should expect them. You're like, that's not a good sales pitch, Jesus. But if the glory is to come afterwards, then maybe it is. When I played basketball in high school, we had this crazy coach. He was the best, he was the best guy. I think, I think really the Lord started using him to plant seeds of the gospel in my life without me knowing that he was even a, a Christian or a believer or anything like that, because I was not. But he had this insane idea that in the off-season, basketball off-season, which happens in the spring kind of semester of, of high school, and it was down here, it was in Angleton, Texas, just when the heat and the humidity is starting to really peak, right? Yeah, like, he's like, go hit the track. If you want to play basketball, if you're really a part of this team, go hit the track, run a mile, you have to get it in a certain amount of time. If you don't, you can do it again immediately. If you don't want to do that, you're not a part of my team. He had this crazy notion of like, I'm going to weed out those who are not for real. Those who are just like, you signed up for athletics so you can kind of skip out on some other classes, right? We all know what that's about. Yeah, did I do that? Of course I did. But I could also play basketball. So, uh, But he had this notion of like, no, I'm going to figure out who's really, 
who really wants to be a part of the team? And sometimes that's what, that's what trials and tribulations do. It's going to test the genuineness of your faith, as we see in verse 7. We need these trials. We needed to hit the track. We needed to run those laps. Because we needed to prove, not only to our coach, but also to ourselves, I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm not going anywhere. And I'll run it three, four, four or five times. Because at that time, basketball was all of my life. And I would die on that track trying to make that time to prove like, no, this is, this is who I am. Okay? Praise God, that's not true of anymore. Basketball is not who I am. And my knees testify to that. He says, going on verse six, the rest of verse six, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, many trials, various trials, differing kind of trials, but only for a little while. There's a start and an end date to every single trial that you go into. Every single trial you go into, there's a start date and there's an end date. Some are shorter, some are longer, okay? Some of those things are chock full of preservatives, and it seems like they just last forever, right? You're like, when is this going to end? When does this go bad? Like, I don't know, but there's a various amount of trials that you and I must go through. We need this. And in one sense, this is Christ's gym that we had just signed a membership to. And you might have entered into this relationship thinking like, yeah, I want to grow stronger. But when you signed up, so to speak, on that dotted line, he's like, I'm going to make you stronger. Whether you signed up for it or not, welcome to the club. Welcome to my gym. We're going to hit some weights. You're not going to like it. You're going to get mad at times. You're going to cry at times. You're going to think, I can't possibly do this anymore. And then they'll process throughout the whole journey, you're going to look back and you're like, I used to not be able to lift that much. I used to not be able to run that far. I used to not be able to run that fast. What happened? He's working with you, in you, through you, getting you stronger and stronger and stronger. You and I need this. And it's various trials, many trials, all that good stuff, but just for a little while, verse 7, it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, that it's real. Think back to the parable that Jesus shared with his disciples and, and those who he's teaching to concerning the, the, you know, the four different fields where the, the farmer would throw the seed out to. And quite often in some of those places, the, the seed would never take root on the beaten path. It, it couldn't take root. And then there was shallow ground where it would take root and it'd spring up really fast. But then as soon as the sun came out, it killed it. They couldn't last. They couldn't endure because they had no depth. Everything looked right, but there couldn't be a harvest. There couldn't be any fruit from that because there was no depth to the thing at all. And then there was a portion of the field that was, that was just perfect to receive the seed and for the roots to sink down in deep, for it to grow, multiply, harvest, all that good stuff. These trials will help to help us to understand where we're at with the Lord. We need these, we need these trials. He says they're going to show that our faith is genuine. That it's real. At this point in time, the obstacle that Peter and, and Pete and Paul and some of the other church leaders of the day, they were dealing with like Gnosticism. It was running rampant throughout the churches at this point in time. And so they, a lot of people were creeping into the churches and saying, no, 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 no. Jesus never really died. Jesus never really resurrected. In fact, they would even go so far as to say, well, he wasn't even really a person. Right? And this whole thing of like, why would, why would a God Almighty even want to step into this messed up world and all this stuff? I mean, there's a lot that was circulating around the churches at this point in time. And so Peter says, Oh, you want to know if your faith is really real? God will put you through a trial. 
He'll allow a trial to come into your life so that you know. God already knows. He already knows. At no point in time in history has God ever been surprised. Never. Right? He's not sitting around in heaven with Jesus at his right hand side and the angels being like, whoa, look who just got saved. Did you see that coming? I never saw that coming. If that's true of him, then he's not God. So he knows whose are his, but we need to know this. And even if you are a Christ follower, you need to know where you stand with him. And sometimes there's nothing better than a good little trial to creep into your life to really expose how much further you have to go. Case in point, a starter going out on your car only exposes to me, I have a long way to go. I have such a long way to go. And it's true. And, and we've learned lessons from that. And that, you know, I, I hear and listen to stories, you know, with Chuck Smith, who's one of my heroes of the faith, and him telling stories of like, you know, they had no money and then the bills were coming in. And, and, and I will never forget the story that he told, where everything was stacking up against them, him and Kay. And you know, all the bills and all that good stuff. And what he chose to do in that moment in their kitchen was grab his wife and just start dancing. They just started dancing. Why? Because he's like, the Lord will take care of it. The Lord will provide. So what are we going to do? We're going to dance. We're just going to dance. And that just play replays in my brain, especially after I, I fell miserably during trials and, and all that stuff where I'm like, why don't we just dance more? I'm talking about me and my wife. I'm not going to dance with any of you. No offense, but I don't dance at all. Those days are done for me too. Uh, just like my knees in high school, the dancing ended then too. Uh, but within our family and when the trials come in, it's like, why, why isn't my response to just dance? Why isn't my, and, and it's not natural. It, it's, it has to be supernatural. The, the term greatly rejoice technically means to dance. Why don't we dance more? Trial comes in, you're going to experience them. Maybe you're going through one right now. If you're not, I'm sure there's one on the horizon for you. I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but I mean, this is real life. My encouragement to you is to do the thing that I'm trying to learn to do, is let that first response be, you know what, Lord, this is yours. I think I'm just going to dance. I think I'm just going to be okay. So if you see me randomly dancing, you'll know like, oh, he's going through something. Um, <laughs> these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Gold is a precious metal. With precious metals, sometimes there can be impurities within the metal itself. And so in order to draw out the impurities within this precious metal, like flinching every so often, because that's exhausting and it's weird. Yeah. I want this faith displayed within my life where I can confidently walk through this life trusting yeah i trust in jesus i know things are going to work out it may not work out the way i want it to or the way i think it's going to or whatever but i know i'm in his hands i know i'm in his hands and lord help me to remember that man i can walk confidently through this life because i'll admit that is a struggle for me that is a struggle for 20 plus years of walking with jesus it still is a struggle with me news will come in that will totally derail me in my walk with jesus and my trust in my faith. And what, what maybe today is a, a, you know, a confident trust in Jesus. He can do anything. Then the news will come in tomorrow. And I'm like, Jesus, where are you at? That's my walk with Jesus. It's messy. It's imperfect. It's very imperfect in one sense. But I'm still in the gym and I'm still working out, you know? And there's been growth within my walk with him for sure. 
But I read these things and I'm like, yes, this, this is what I want. In all things, I want to glorify him. In all things, I want to glorify him. It's easier said than done though, right? I think it's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's easier said than done. But the salvation of your soul, the rescue, it, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen for each and every one of us. It will happen. Verse 10, this last little bit, this part that I would label, we are truly blessed. If you're a Christ follower today, you are truly blessed. It says this salvation, and just keeping everything within context, Peter's like, this salvation, what? The salvation of your soul, this future event kind of a thing that's going to happen, right? Because you've been born again. Like, you're saved, right? So don't misunderstand me. You are saved. That's happened if you place your faith and trust in Jesus. But we're talking about a future salvation, a future rescue, okay? That's, that's the terminology we're using here, all right? So it's not like, wait, I thought I got saved when Jesus, when I trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I did that to confess and all that good stuff. Yes, but there's a rescue to come, okay? Because we're still stuck in this world, right? So there's a rescue to come, and that's the future salvation that we're talking about. It's not that like, well, am I in or am I not? No, if he's your Savior, Lord and Savior, you're in. The future rescue, his return, I'll say it like that, is kind of what we're, what we're thinking here. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. So they're on the whole other, other side of the cross. They're looking towards the cross. You and I look back at the cross. We know what's happened. But the prophets were looking to the cross. They don't know how it's all going to play out. They have these prophecies. They're being given these words from God. Isaiah was told that it, he's going to be born of a virgin, which we literally believe he was born of a virgin. Okay? That's close-fisted issue. Like, we don't, we don't move around on that deal. Born of a virgin. He had to be. He had to be. And there was many other prophecies concerning his life and, and what it was going to look like. And they were all perplexed because when they're looking ahead at a Messiah... What they're being told is he will suffer. He will suffer, but then he'll be glorified. And so they're kind of tripping out because they're trying to figure out like, well, how's that all going to work? And they, it's just they, they were, they were looking into these things. They were technically, they were investigating all of these things. So Jeremiah got a prophecy. You know, he's, and any, anybody who was like a, a counterpart to Jeremiah who may have heard that, well, they were going to look into it themselves. You understand? Or maybe there's a prophet who had gone before all of them and words, you know, circulating around in, whether it's the northern tribes or the southern tribes. When they get word of this stuff, they I mean, it's just piquing their interest of like, okay, prophecies, like this is about the Messiah. And so they're investigating into these things, digging down into these things because they're just like, the Messiah's going to come and he's going to die but then he's going to be raised again. So they were getting notions of this stuff, but it was sparking their curiosity, if anything. It says that they, they looked into these things, but they're looking at the cross as it, because it hadn't happened yet. And so in their prophecies is what Peter is saying here. It says they, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them, and again, the Spirit of Christ is indicating the Holy Spirit within them, was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. Yes, his resurrection, but his great glory afterwards is also his return. Speaking about his return.
In the book of 1 Peter, you hear a lot about suffering. Our own suffering is something that we have to work through. And Peter reminds us that Jesus suffered too. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. A few verses later it says, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. What Peter's getting at in these verses is that as a Christian, you're going to suffer persecution. But Jesus wasn't exempt from suffering either. In fact, he was treated worse than anyone, although he was without sin. Imagine being completely guiltless, faultless, sinless. It just seems so wrong for Jesus to have been falsely accused the way he was. May you find strength and courage in the fact that Jesus suffered at the hands of brutal and mean-spirited men. He knows what you're going through right now, and you can turn to Jesus for comfort and help. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle here on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear additional messages like this one, go to breadforthebroken.com. Thanks so much for listening to today's teaching here in the book of 1 Peter. We'll be back next time with more as the Apostle Peter speaks some encouraging words that our souls will want to hear. So come back again next time to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.